Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call it Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Scretti. And do you have a DIY dilemma? You got a project you want to tackle around your Money Pit? Well, we are here to help because we are in the Money Pit Prevention business. We're going to help you spend some money to do it once, do it right, and not have to do it again. Or maybe not spend any money at all if we can tell you how to do it yourself. But help yourself first by reaching out to us with questions because that's why we're here and that's what we love to do is to answer questions about your projects. The way to get in touch with us is by calling 1-888-MONEYPIT. That's 888-666-3974. Or better yet, just go to moneypit.com slash ask and click the blue microphone button for the fastest possible response. Coming up on today's show, if you'd like your home to feel open and airy but you just don't have the budget for a big remodel, Well, we're going to share some smart tips to help you open up the space without emptying your bank account in the process. And maintaining a home that is safe and secure is an important part of the American dream. And advanced technology and smart home security products now makes that easier than ever to accomplish. But with so many options, how do you get started with a security system that works for you and is going to grow with your family? We're going to share some tips just ahead. And painting is the one DIY project that probably seems to be the simplest to do. But that's exactly why it's even more frustrating than ever when a seemingly simple project like painting comes out badly. So we're going to share some pro painting tips to help make sure that you can avoid that happening to you. But first, it's our job, our mission to educate, to inspire, to help you build confidence on projects that you'd like to get done and to simply guide you on how to get those done once, get it done right, so you don't have to do them again. But your job is to help yourself by picking up the phone in the first place and calling us with your questions at 888-MONEYPIT or going to moneypit.com slash ask. And I see some folks have done just that. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? Cheryl's on the line with a decking question. How can we help you today? I'm wanting to have a deck built at the back of my home, and I have a concrete pad uh, outside the door. And um, when I asked someone to come and look at it and give me an estimate about a deck, uh, they were wanting to put the supports right on this concrete pad that's back here, but it's all broken up and all uneven from a large, very large maple tree that I have in the back. And the roots are, they're gnarly, and they're, a lot of them are near the surface. And so I was wondering if it would even be 
you even recommend that I even think of having a deck built back there with the tree roots in the situation I have. So first of all, this is a patio, so it's a thin concrete slab maybe four or five inches thick. Is that what you're telling me you have? Right. Okay. So right. that is not an appropriate foundation for a deck. And so anyone suggesting that it is would scare me because in your part of the country, you need to have the footings for that deck be below the frost line. So that means that those footings have to be about three feet in the ground, and then on top of those footings, you can build the deck. Otherwise, the deck's going to ride up and down as the land freezes in the winter time. So, what I would do is I would break up that patio and take it out of there. If it's already, you know, half broken up, I mean, with a jackhammer, you'd probably get that thing out of there in an hour or two. It actually will come out a lot faster than what you would imagine. Uh, in terms of the tree roots, yeah, if you can get some of that out of there, it's probably not a bad idea. But clearly, what you have to con- concentrate on is what, however, you're going to support this deck. If it's pretty much a grade level deck, you know, you have to kind of put that beam in flush with the rest of the floor structure. If it's going to be up a little bit, then you would basically put the beam underneath uh, the floor joist and support it on however many columns it takes to make it compliant with building code. But to do it right, it's got to be on a foundation. So don't just slap a deck structure over that patio. It's just not going to be uh, built correctly, and I, and I doubt it would pass building code. And it would also um, could devalue your house in the event you tried to sell it in the future. Okay. Well, um, the contractor that I had out here, um, he was leery of, you know, he didn't want to disturb the tree roots too much for fear of killing this gigantic tree. And and that was his... Well, it wasn't a solution because the roots are going to be there with or without the patio. It's not a solution. And he's not going to disturb the tree roots that much. Yes, it'll be hard to dig those holes. Um, and you may have to chop through some of them, but I don't think just digging um, you know, three or four holes for a footing is going to be enough to kill a tree. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad that I uh, gave you a call then. Thank you so much. All right, Cheryl. Well, good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. We've got Mike on the line who's dealing with pinhole leaks, and I have had these, so I know that, surprisingly, they produce a lot of water. Well, what's going on? Maybe we've got a good solution for you. How can we help? I have a house that's just about 36 years old. The plumbing, it's a copper pipe. It's the M type of copper. About uh, two months ago, I got a pinhole leak in an area in my first floor inside the wall, got that repaired. Last week, I came home and I had another pinhole leak. And I'm just wondering, with the house being this old, should re-pipe the house, possibly? Or another method I, I've uh, been reading about is called e-pipe. I wondered uh, if you could give me any information on uh, what your ideas are on that. Hey, Mike, it's unfortunately that your plumbing has started to develop a pinhole leaks. You know, that will continue to occur over time, but I don't think it calls for an immediate replacement of your entire system. I would just monitor it. I mean, I might be a little more cautious when I go away and turn off my main water valve and that sort of thing. The other thing to to think about is that whenever you're doing renovations in that house, never put a wall back that's got the old plumbing in it. You want to replace it with PEX, P-E-X, which stands for cross-links polyethylene. It's a a very simple type of, of pipe to run because it's flexible. And it doesn't have to be soldered and that sort of thing. But the reason you got those pinhole leaks, by the way, is maybe not just because the plumbing may be a bit thin, but you probably have acidic water. And when you have more acidic water, it tends to happen more frequently. So I would just monitor and repair over time. I don't think if it was my house, I would uh, immediately think I have to replace all the plumbing. That's a pretty expensive and dramatic step when all you've suffered so far is just a couple of pinhole leaks. All right, good luck with that project. 
Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Hey, you're tired of living in a money pit? Well, we're here to help. And if you want us to help out, it would be awesome if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Just go to moneypit.com slash review. It's only going to take a minute, and it means the world to us. Beverly in Ohio is on the line. How can we help you today? I have a problem with my white vinyl fence, and I'm trying to see if you have any ideas as to what I can use to clean it. It's got black marks all over it from a youth that used to mail my used to mow my grass, and I've had it power cleaned twice. I've tried Mr. Clean it. Now I'm at a loss as to what I can do because it's you know it's inexpensive. Have you tried to use um, one of those green scotch pads on it? That has just a minor amount of abrasion. I'm trying to think what actually could be making these black marks. Um, if it's something that's on top of the vinyl, then you should be able to remove it. The other thing is if it happens to be something that is solvent-based, like tar or rubber or something of that nature, another thing that you could try to do is you could try to spray that with some WD-40. That has a pretty good ability of breaking down those types of substances just a little bit, perhaps on that green scrubby pad, rub it over that surface and see if that lifts it off. I think the key is to try to figure out what that black mark is uh, and then what's going to take it off uh, from there. But I would try it in those in that order. See how you make out, Beverly. Okay, yeah, some of it's from the road and some of it is from them taking their lawnmower and trying to mow the grass right up against it. Well, I mean, that that would throw dirt and stones of it against it, but that should be clean. I mean, as long as the uh, whatever, as long as this vinyl fence is white all the way through, it's got to be something that's on top of it. And that's why I say you have to write the, find the right cleaner and the right tool uh, to remove that. Beverly, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, let's welcome Wally, who's working on a sunroom project. Tell us about it. How can we help? I'm redoing a my sunroom, and it's a concrete floor, and it's a pretty old. There's some cracks in there that if I put down a floor over top of it like I plan to do, I, I'm worried that it's going to be very uneven and, and the floor won't last very long. Hey, Wally, so I think, first off, your choice of using something like a luxury vinyl plank is a good idea for that space, that kind of floor will float on top of the old slab, so it shouldn't really be impacted by any of the cracks that you described. That said, we want to make sure that we're reducing the chances of any moisture kind of wicking up through that. So I would go ahead and seal those. Uh, there are a number of different types of products that you can use. If it's a smaller crack, you could use silicone. There are some concrete patching compounds that you can use if they're slightly bigger. If they're deep, you can fill the crack with a backer rod first and then seal the area 
on top of that. In addition to the luxury vinyl planks, there's also a type of product called hybrid stone. LL Flooring makes one under the brand name of Duravana that I've used. Those types of planks are stiffer than the vinyl, and that could be attractive if the floor is slightly uneven. The vinyl will tend to hug uh, any of that unevenness, but the the stone planks, the hybrid stone style, uh, will not. And they're pretty inexpensive. Last I checked, they were around four bucks, maybe five bucks a square foot, and pretty easy to install. So I think you're on the right track. Just seal those up, use a floating floor, and you should be good to go. Well, while older homes have charm and character, the thing that they often lack is an open floor plan, and it's something that more and more modern families are looking for. Now, the good news is that you don't have to stick with the layout that's offered in your home currently. Now, one way to create an open feel in a closed-in space is to build a pass-through between the rooms. Now, this is not a first-time DIYer's project. I want to say that up front because it involves some carpentry and some potential electrical work as well. But you want to start with the most important element. Determine if the wall can be opened up by figuring out if it's a load-bearing wall. Now, if possible, you want to go to a floor below, perhaps in the basement or crawl space, and look at how the floor joists are running. Are they parallel or perpendicular to the wall? If they're perpendicular, that wall could more than likely be load-bearing, and you're going to need some expert help if you're not sure, or even if you are sure, you're going to need some expert help to know how to deal with that. Now, if the wall is load-bearing, you can still add a pass-through, but the project gets a lot more complicated, and it shoots kind of well beyond the DIY stage. So as we said, go get a pro. Yeah. Now, next, guys, if the wall is not load-bearing, You can cut out a pass-through, but before you go all in, I mean, it's really smart to do some exploratory surgery first. That's right. You know, make some strategic holes in the wall. So before you do things, you want to trace out your template. Where exactly are you cutting? Where do you want this pass-through to be? And try and line up this template so that to the left and to the right of this pass-through, you've got studs, because that's going to make framing this whole project out a lot easier. If you've got the room and you can lay this out so it is between studs, it's even better because then you don't have to frame everything, the left, the right, the sides, all the openings. Now, remember, turn off all the electrical circuits to that wall before you even do anything. Make sure all the power's off. Then you want to use a reciprocating saw, and you're cutting only through the thickness of the wall board. So in other words, you're not just going to take that reciprocating saw and kind of just go willy-nilly into the wall and start cutting. Don't cut the studs. Just cut the drywall away. Does that make sense? Now, once you see inside, it's a lot easier to double-check if the wall is load-bearing for sure. If you see 2x3s as opposed to 2x4s, it's probably not carrying any weight. But if you do see 2x4s, the opening will need to have a header beam, which is a beam that basically goes across that opening and is supported on the sides of it right down through to the bearing space below. Now, another thing to look out for is the wiring. If you see any wiring in the opening, you're definitely going to need to redirect those using junction boxes, and you're most likely going to need an electrician to address that. Now, once that's all settled out, you can set about cutting out the opening. One hit, though, if the framing should sit flush with the wallboard in the upper and lower parts of the pass-through, then what you want to do is use what's called a plunge cut. So you want to drop the saw blade into it. It's a lot cleaner way to cut that out of the way. And once you're done, the finishing touch might include some molding or even a counter in that pass-through if the area is opening up, say, for maybe a kitchen or a dining area. But you're going to find that if you have that opening in that wall, it's really going to add a lot of visual space and give you that open feeling without having to commit to a real major remodeling project. 
Heading over to Florida, we've got Beverly on the line who's got a question about siding. What's going on? Are you installing it yourself? It's just a, a, a shed, and it's 10 by 10, and I've had some siding that I got, some vinyl siding, and I wanted to put it on the shed, and I figured the shed's only 8 feet high, so I'd be able to you know, put it on myself. Okay. But uh, I heard conflicting opinions about whether I should use screws or nails. Oh, so, okay. you know, one one hardware store guy goes, use screws. Another one says, use nails. And uh, it, it's going on um, uh, Oriental strand board. And then I put <laughs> okay. uh, tar paper. Yeah. So it's not it's not a tough question. It's not even a, it's not even a close question. You're going to use nails. And not only are you going to use nails, you're going to use nails and you're not going to drive them home. You're not going to drive them to where they're solidly banging that siding into the Orient strand board. Final siding has some uh, has some peculiarities to its installation method. So you know of course you start low, right? And the pieces interlock. Now if you'll notice vinyl siding doesn't have nail holes, it has nail slots. And that's for a really important reason. The vinyl has a really big expansion ratio. So if you put the vinyl siding on too tight where it can't slide, it's going to buckle and it looks terrible. You can always see a bad siding job on the south side of the house when the sun hits it and it buckles, and that's because the siding was nailed on too solidly. So you're going to use uh, like a flathead nail, like a roofing nail would be fine or something like that, and you want to just put it in the center of the slot and you don't want to make it tight. You want to leave enough space. When you're done, you should be able to grab that piece of siding and slide back and forth in the slot. You know what I mean? Yes. And if it slides back and forth, that's perfect. That's exactly what you want. It's not going to fall off. It's not going to blow away. But because you've put it on loosely that way, it'll be able to expand and contract and not buckle. Okay? Well, I'm glad you told me because the first I put the screw in and I put it in tight. Yeah, that's natural. That's what we are sort of, uh, you know, destined to do is to really always make stuff really strong and tight. But when it comes to siding and then vinyl siding, it's just not done that way. And that's why. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Bev. Good luck with the project. Thanks for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Doug, you've got the Money Pit. What can we do for you today? I'm considering getting one of these water sensors to go on the water pipe to sense if there's any uh, water running when there shouldn't be any water running. And I'm wondering if that's something that's worth the investment. Yeah, actually, those sensors work quite well because they uh, some of the smarter ones will actually measure your pattern. And if something outside of the pattern happens, they'll alert you. Usually they're hooked up to Wi-Fi and they have a notification system so you can get alerts on your smartphone. If you're just concerned about leaks, there's another type of leak detector that's out. It's made by a company called Simple Sense, S-E-N-C-E. Uh, it's a Wi-Fi enabled detector that uh, will detect water leaks and, and also freezing if your, if your heat was to go off. And that also has an app that uh, goes along with it. And again, it'll, it'll alert you if you get a leak, say, in your basement, for example, or if you get a froze, a freeze down there, it will alert you that you've got a problem so you could deal with it, hopefully, before it gets much worse. Oh, okay. Yeah, but so so generally, I guess uh, I should do a little research and see exactly what I what my need would be, and uh, go from there. But okay, that basically, I guess it's worth it then to do the investment. I do think it's worth it. Um, the leak detection technology. There's a company called Streamlabs that makes those, and those are very cool. They just clamp over the pipe, so you don't even have a plumbing connection to make. 
And again, they're going to tell you um, via an alert if you have a problem with a leak before it becomes a big stinking mess that you got to clean up. Yes, I, yeah, I'm familiar with that name. I did a basic research, and I've seen that name. So they are uh, pretty efficient then. Absolutely. Okay, listen, I appreciate that. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Well, maintaining a home that's safe and secure is an important part of the American dream and advanced technology and smart home security products now makes that easier than ever to accomplish. But with so many options, how do you get started with a security system that works for you and is going to grow with your family? With us to talk about that is Human Shahidi, the SVP of product development for Simply Safe. You know, it used to be that one key differentiator between professionally installed systems and those that were sort of a DIY install was that the pro systems offered 24-7 monitoring. But those differences have really evaporated. I know you guys were out there early with offering live guards to monitor security systems, and now you've expanded your line to include live guard surveillance that actually has guards watching your property even when you're not home. So how is this changing the possibilities for consumers to keep their home safe? Uh, yeah, so, Tom, I think uh, Simply Safe has always provided uh, 24-7 uh, monitoring, uh, where our monitoring agents are standing by uh, for any alarms that our customers have in their home, and they respond and 
dispatch authorities. Recently, we launched uh, LiveGuard, which goes actually above and beyond just 24-7 monitoring. And in fact, our agents engage through our smart alarm camera with anybody who may be in the home to assess the situation and have a lot more information to be able to react, whether that's disarm the system or to dispatch the authorities. Interesting. So I, I did note on from your website at simplysafe.com, it's S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com, you had some videos there of burglars actually entering the home and then being basically caught in the act by the Simply Safe live guard. That's terrific. So I presume that's all then trapped on video and also conveyed to the local authorities, right? That's exactly right. And you know, whenever there's an event in your home, the most important thing is response time, because uh, that's what helps keep you keep you safe. And with 24-7 live guard, our agents can respond immediately to the event and try to take action to capture the video but also dissuade a potential intruder from continuing potentially nefarious activity. So we're really excited about being able to do even a better job keeping our customers safe. I mean, I feel like people might be uneasy with having these cameras on inside their home. So how do you balance privacy with security? Simply Safe has always been focused on protecting our customers' privacy. First and foremost, of course, uh, you know, we let customers know and they opt into this specific part of our service. Second, we design our products with privacy in mind. Uh, one of the great unique things that we've always had in our indoor cameras is a privacy shutter that allows the customer to know when the camera is active and when it's not. In fact, our indoor cameras are designed so that they're only active when either you as a customer is uh, wanting to see what's going on inside your house, or if there's an alarm. Uh, an actual physical shutter disengages so that you know that the camera is on and recording, and when it's engaged, you know the camera is off and there's uh, there's nothing going on there. So that's a great way for our customers to have assurance that um, we are always respectful of their privacy. All right, so clearly here's your plan for covering everything on the inside of the house. But what about the outside? I mean, more and more you hear about these porch pirates and package thefts. Like, what are your plans for that? Oh, yeah. We've had outdoor cameras for quite some time. We launched a Simply Safe outdoor camera in 2021 to complement uh, the Simply Safe doorbell camera that we have, uh, we've actually had on the market for a while. Those cameras allow our customers to be able to view what's going on outside the home. And if they choose to, our agents can also leverage those cameras to get better situational awareness for first responders if they need to be deployed to our customers' home. And our uh, customers are really excited about that product, very well rated, lots of good reviews for both the performance. And the great thing about Simply Safe and how we think about it is, you know, they're not just outdoor cameras. They're part of a holistic security solution, which includes the 24-7 monitoring. Yeah, let's talk about that. If you're just getting started with smart home monitoring systems, such as those offered by Simply Safe. You know, where do you start with that? How do you decide what level of protection, number of devices, what options are most popular uh, if you haven't really delved into that area before? Yeah, so we really try to help the customer on that journey because every home is different. 
in terms of what physical devices you need. And, you know, we really designed our system to be scalable, to be able to cover, let's say you live in a studio apartment and you only need a door sensor to protect the front door to your house or a motion sensor for the main area, you start there. Or if you live in a 10-bedroom mansion, we got you covered there with an array of sensors. And since our system is wireless and expandable, you can start and build out from there. Uh, And if you actually, if our customers go through our shopping journey on our website, we've got a number of ways between prepackaged options for them, as well as even a quiz that kind of helps us understand what kind of home they have, how many windows, how many doors, the size of the house, and actually recommend a custom system for them. So you can start off with the very basic sort of security package at home, but what are the other options? I mean, is it fairly modular? Can I add on different components? Like, where can I go with this? We find very frequently customers get, you know, basic protection, and then they realize, hey, you know what? I also want to make sure that I'm protected where it comes to fire and carbon monoxide. And so they buy additional sensors to cover that need. Uh, another really popular one is water sensors that help customers realize whether if they have a broken pipe uh, in their home and get an alarm associated with that. And all that is monitored 24-7 through the Simply Safe Home Security uh, System. So even when you're away from home, we will be keeping an eye on your house. We're talking to Human Shahidi. He's an SVP of product for Simply Safe. You, know, you mentioned water protection. That's a good point. And it leads me to this question. When it comes to these types of systems, are there insurance discounts that are available in terms of, say, your homeowner's insurance if you had this kind of additional level of protection? Because clearly you're a better customer for an insurance company if you've taken the steps to identify, say, a water leak before it causes severe damage. Obviously, you've got to get in touch with your specific insurance provider, but I I think almost all insurance providers will give you a discount, uh, and we have a a service where we'll send you a certificate saying that Simply Safe is protecting your house 24-7. We're a uh, UL-certified system and monitoring central station. You turn that into your insurance company, and you generally get a pretty significant discount. A lot of times, the system kind of ends up paying for itself in short order. We're talking to Human Shahidi, the SVP of product for Simply Safe, now available with 24-7 Live Guard Protection. Human, thank you so much for stopping by the money, but I love the fact that the system is so customizable, so modular that you can start with your basics and you can build out from there to the point where you have the system that's just absolutely perfect for your needs. If you'd like to learn more, go to their website, simplysafe.com, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe. Human Shahidi, thank you again for stopping by The Money Pit. Thanks, Tom, and thanks, Leslie. Pleasure speaking with you today. Well, painting is the one DIY project that probably seems the simplest to do. I mean, how hard can it be than, you know, just dipping your brush in the can and then slapping the paint on the wall? Yeah, and that's exactly why it's even more frustrating than ever when a seemingly simple project like painting comes out badly which can happen if you start with the wrong brush. Yeah. Now, the average home improvement center provides lots of options. I mean, have you been down the paintbrush aisle lately? There are a ton of brushes out there. So how do you know which one is the right one for your project? You know, it all starts with choosing the right bristles, and that's going to depend on the type of paint, type of stain, or finish you're applying. 
First, you have natural bristle brushes, or these are sometimes called china bristles, and they're designed for oil-based paints. They provide a very even finish. They are sturdy enough to clean with paint thinner or turpentine, but you can't use that same natural bristle brush for latex paint because they tend to soak up water and lose their springiness and just don't perform very well. For that kind of paint, you want to use synthetic bristle brushes. Those are definitely the best choice. Now, what about the quality of the brush? There are definitely a wide range of brushes out there and, you know, a wide range of price points as well. Is it better to buy a more expensive brush? How do you know? I mean, I think it does. When it comes to brushes, you definitely get what you pay for. And better brushes simply have more bristles. The bristles are of differing lengths, and the bristles have split ends, which is actually a good thing because that enables them to hold more paint. If you go with a lower-quality brush, that can leave ridges in the paint as well as sort of thin spots because it just doesn't apply the paint very evenly. Now, what about the dreaded cleanup job? I feel like everybody hates this part. So generally, they're tossing the brushes, which you shouldn't be doing. You should be taking the time to clean them. So how do you clean them? Yeah, that's right. For both types of brushes, you want to squeeze out as much of the paint or finish of the brush as possible. You can use old newspaper, paper towels. These all work well for this. And then brush as much of the paint off as you can, and then blot the brush from the base of the bristles to the tip to squeeze out whatever's left. Now, for latex paint, you want to rinse the brush with warm, soapy water, then hang it up to dry with the bristles pointing down so the water doesn't soak back in towards the handle. That can cause it to swell and kind of get nasty. Now, for oil finishes, you want to dip the bristles into paint thinner for a few minutes and then use a dab of dish soap and warm water to wash the thinner off and then, again, hang them up to dry. I like to let them soak overnight in simple green, a little trick of the trade that I use because I find that the simple green takes out pretty much all of the old paint and leaves them in pretty good condition. And as you said, Leslie, lastly, when they're all dry, put them back in those cardboard sleeves. It's a good idea because it helps them keep their shape and be good to go the next time you want to take them out for a project. Yeah, if you're spending the money, you want to keep using them. We are here to help you take on the projects you want to get done around your house. You can post those questions to moneypit.com slash ask. And that's exactly what David did. That's right. David wrote in, he says, we're having engineered wood flooring installed into our second bedrooms. And we want to know what are the benefits and drawbacks of having it glued down or floating? Also, should we have something between the plywood and the floor and anything else we should consider before we have it installed? So first of all, I will tell you that I think floating floors are really best. Today, those floor systems have boards that lock together. They don't have to be glued. They simply lay in place and lock together. You leave maybe a quarter to a half inch of space at the perimeter, and you cover that with molding. Just make sure you leave that gap, because if you don't and the floor expands, it's going to start to buckle, and then that becomes a very hard problem to solve. Now, underlayment is useful for comfort and for sound reduction, so I would suggest you check with your manufacturer to see which underlayment products they recommend. It's going to vary. Some of those boards have underlayments attached to them already. Others use sort of like a thin, like rubbery foam kind of a covering that goes across the floor first. And most important, and this is a really important trick of the trade, before you put flooring down, after you got the old carpet up, before you put the flooring down, 
make sure you secure that subfloor. By doing that, I mean typically subfloors are nailed in place, and the nails will loosen up. They'll cause squeaks and that sort of thing. So I would screw that subfloor down. You can use case-hardened screws, case-hardened drywall-style screws, and you can screw that floor down every 16 inches, every single board that really locks it in place. This is the one chance you have to do this and eliminate a whole host of future squeak issues. While you have that old flooring material up, you want to really secure that subfloor down, and this way it will be solid for all the days and weeks and years to come. Because you know what's going to happen? You'll put the flooring down, and you forget to do this, and the first place you step, it's going to go squeak, and you're (laughs) going to be so pissed. You're going to be pissed, and it's not going to be so easy to get to. No, it'll be almost impossible, and you're going to have to learn to live with it. All right, David. Well, let's get this project done right so you don't have to worry about that at all. Well, are you planning an end-of-summer backyard blowout? You can light up the night with tiki torches as long as you do it safely. Leslie has some tips to do just that, along with some ideas on realistic flame-free options in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, if you like to set the mood and create ambiance, you can do it with some dramatic lighting in your backyard. Now, you can pick up oil-burning torches at almost any store that sells outdoor stuff, and you can also use citronella oil in those lanterns, to, and that's going to help you keep the bugs away, but also make everything look super adorable outside. So, first of all, let's talk about safety. Anytime we've got an open flame, you have to practice fire safety. So make sure you've got a bucket of water and a hose close by. When you do snuff out the flame, make sure the torches are in a fireproof place. Also, you want to be sure to check saferproducts.gov and make sure that the torch you're using is considered safe and hasn't been recalled. If you want some added safety, LED technology has really brought us a wide array of very safe, battery and solar powered torches and some of these will turn on automatically at dusk and they even flicker just like a real flame which really makes it beautiful and possible to light up the night without throwing caution to the wind so remember play it safe but have some fun this is the money pit home improvement show coming up next time on the program if summer storms have taken out a tree but not the stump we're going to share tips for getting rid of what's left without needing to hire a tree service to do that job for you That's all coming up on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 